0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. We're here, and I pray that you're ready to hear the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to Isaiah 43? And I just want to read to you the same passage we had last weekend. so uh, Sam will begin at verse 19 of Isaiah 43. It's not in my, my notes yet, but we'll get to the slides that I prepared in just a second. Last week we spoke a message on how God... I mean, oftentimes we are focused on the next thing... Because it's what's evident, it's what's predictable, it's what we can see coming next in life. But um, God wants to sometimes do something new. And if we're so tied to the next thing, when God wants to do the new thing, we actually miss out. And we actually hold God back on His plans for us. Why? Because we are just fixated on what's next. And I just want to remind ourselves about that as we read Isaiah 43. And we'll begin reading at verse 18, actually. If you're there, shout Amen. 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 So it says this in the New Living Translation, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And today, I'm going to be speaking a message entitled, Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Habits of Highly Effective Christians. And you see, one of the important things is that God wants to do a new thing, but what if I'm stuck with my old habits? How can I get a new habit or how can I begin to do new things if my tendency is to always fall back in the rut of my old habit? And so today I just want to, with God's help, break down a little bit of understanding behind habits. I'm not a teacher or a lecturer. I'm a preacher of God's Word. But I I just want to define for us what habits are. And just before we do that, I want to pray and then we can be seated. Heavenly Father... We thank you today already for our time of worship, Lord, for breakthrough in our worship and God, how you respond and how you minister already through those times. But Lord, thank you also for the ministry of your word. I pray this morning that every heart be open, every distraction be silenced in Jesus name and Lord, that you would speak. Use me as your humble servant. Lord, I surrender my mind and my mouth and my heart to you, that I might speak your words only. Thank you for the anointing that makes ministry effective, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning as we dive into this subject of habits, habits. Meeting in the school is a new habit, Uh, maybe some of you are like, I'm not used to it yet, so... They say it takes about 21 days to start a new habit. And so last week um, was the first Sunday. I actually didn't come in my church outfit. I wore a t-shirt and shorts. Why? Well, because we were moving gear and I was sweating head to toe. It looked like I came off the soccer field. And I brought a change of clothes just before service started. I changed in. This morning, I said, I'm going to do the same thing as last week because it made sense. I was sweaty and all of that. So I had my shorts and my t-shirt on. I grabbed my jeans and I had my white undershirt and I walked out the door thinking, let's do this. And halfway to church, I realized, wait a second, I have my jeans, but I don't have my dress shirt. Because this is not a new habit yet. This is still change in progress. And I realized, thank God, off the 401 in Weston, real Canadian superstore is open at 7.30 in the morning. So I walked in there real quick. I said, Lord, I need your help. I need a shirt that fits, not too snug, hopefully, that matches my dark blue uh, jeans this morning. And I, I kid you not, I walked in straight to, I somehow found the men's section right away. And I found the dress shirt, I found my size, and I looked at the price, it said 70% off, on sale for $9.94. It took me all of two minutes to find this dress shirt, and I drove to church. And I said, Lord, thank you, you did something new in my life today. Um, But I'm still getting used to this new habit of coming to church and bringing a new church outfit. So Listen, no one's perfect. Uh, We all have bad habits and we all have new habits to create in Jesus' name. And so let me define what a habit is and I'll explain just in a second who, who I got this from. But a habit is a decision that you made at some point and then stopped making that decision but continued acting on I'm going to read it again. It's on the screen. A decision that you made at some point and then stopped making but continued acting on. And so this is not second nature yet to bring a second outfit. It's I still have to think about every process and every step of the way. How many of you drive, right? I remember when I first started driving, it, nothing was second nature. It was like uh, foot on the brake put it into drive, look all around, and it, 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 like the brain was going at 100 all the time. And I remember the first time I had to change a lane, it was I heard, Brow! and I, I, the car swerved because I, I didn't know how to change a lane. Nothing was second nature. I didn't uh, fit that groove yet. I had to think about every single step of driving, even reversing, or how to parallel park. But now that I've been doing it for, for 20-some years... I don't even have to think about what I'm doing. In fact, nowadays, people drive, drink their morning coffee, and finish their last text message as they're driving. And when you think about it, it's like they know what they're doing, or we think, but we get comfortable, and it's a, these are decisions that we no longer actually have to be thinking about, but they become almost second nature. We've, at some point, moved from making those decisions to now it's just a habit and I know what to do. And habits now feel automatic. Your brain no longer needs to work as hard. Once something becomes a habit, your brain has kind of gone to sleep on those specific things. You're no longer participating in decision-making around that activity except at two points. And those two points are Closer generally to the beginning when you're deciding I'm going to drive the car and closer to the end of that activity or that habit of I'm arriving and I'm parking and I, you know, like your brain becomes active again. So it's almost like we go into this autopilot mode in that routine of the habit, whatever the habit might be. For me, breakfast is a habit. My wife goes, what should I eat this morning? I say, I don't know. You pick. You pick. I don't have to pick, because I've said this before, English muffins, peanut butter, and jam. Every single morning, and I'm a happy guy. It's a habit, I don't even have to think. I just get up, I grab the English muffins, I grab the peanut butter, I have the jam. I don't think about anything except, oh, I need to eat now. And when I'm all done, it's like, oh yeah, bring the plate and the cup back to the sink. And don't just leave it there, put it in the dishwasher now. Because I want my wife to be happy. So habits become automatic. And we're going to get to Scripture. There's a lot of Scripture. But I want you to understand and wrap your mind around habits and try to discover what some of them are. So um, there's a book that I've been reading. And uh, we went to the bookstore this week as a staff. I looked at the price. And it was more expensive to buy it in the bookstore. And I said, but online, it said it was like $16. Why is it 25 with tax here? I said, oh, because it's more expensive in the store. So I said, sorry, I'll buy it online, and it'll come in two days, Amazon Prime. So um, I'm reading this book. The author is Charles Duhigg, and the book is called The Power of Habits. The Power of Habits. And he breaks it down, and we have this on the screen, into three. There's this habit loop, it's called. And there are three particular Uh, sections in this loop. The first is the trigger or the cue. And we're going to get to a a great example in a second. It's the reminder that the signal um, us into the routine. It signals us into the routine that we need to do something now. Then there's the routine, which is the habit itself. And it could be both good or bad. Then there's the reward, the positive feedback that closes the loop. So that's a complete uh, loop of the habit. And it's on the screen. So, for example, everyone nowadays or almost everyone has a smartphone that vibrates. If you get a message or a missed call or a text or a new email and it goes or or ding ding or whatever your preferred sound is. Even if it's not on you, if it's on the counter, you hear it. So, that's the cue or the trigger. The natural routine is to pick it up and check it. Why? Because this is our habit. And we look through it. And did you know that, especially with social media, every like that you get, some of us get a notification when someone likes our post or our image or anything, that it actually triggers endorphins in the brain that release in your body that make you feel good. So you go, ah, someone likes me. And the endorphin is released in your body, and you feel great about it. Someone likes it again, and that whole process, it's like a natural high but it's not natural because this is called the habit loop. That's why when we hear the v, we pick it up and we check because we want the reward of someone liked my picture. (laughs) Ha ha. It feels great. This is the habit loop. Another great one, and this is one that I'm guilty of, is around 2 p.m., the trigger or the cue is, oh, I feel so groggy and tired because this is like the, the hardest part for me. Ask Spencer and Ben who are in the office with me, it's like 2 p.m., I become someone else. And I just feel like I need something. Usually it's coffee. So then we go to get our fix. This is the habit, right? When I feel this way, the next step for me is that I need to go get my coffee. And then the reward is I get the buzz of caffeine, and I feel happy again. And I'm back to normal again, and I'm Jonathan but really, it's just a habit with an addiction tied into it called caffeine. And, and Spencer says, praise the Lord, because he... Never mind. <laughs> but he's a great barista, nevertheless. And so, why am I spending time to explain all of this? Well, because there are good habits, like we said, and there can be bad habits. This morning... With God's help, like we said, I want to share with you habits of highly effective Christians. But having the wrong habits, firstly, can be detrimental to your life and those you care about the most. I think back to my friend Joey. In grade 8, 9, 10, around there. In high school, one of my high school friends. He would skip school. In fact, in grade 10, he would take the bus, get off, take the other bus, back, so it looked like he was coming to school. He would go across the street, take the other bus, and there was a place called Hollywood Diner, and he would skip school all day, and he would just have breakfast with two or three other friends who would skip as well. He then dropped out of high school and began working at a bar. I don't know how it is here, but in Quebec, the slot machines at the back of the bar are illegal. And especially for a high schooler, shouldn't be involved in that. But $700 a week of his paycheck working at his uncle's bar would go straight back into those slot machines. I had no clue as one of his best friends. And guess what? He attended church with me as well. And then about a year later, he told me, he's like, I've had a crazy gambling addiction at such a young age. And he was wasting his money away. Bad habits can destroy your life. And imagine if you have a family. It can destroy your life, but also everyone who's tied to your life. You can lose house. I've seen men trade their car away and lose homes because of gambling addictions. Pornography is another bad one. Because, yes, it can suck money if you have subscriptions and things. But it eats away at you from the inside out. And then it can affect marriages. And I know there are some couples, and I've even heard of Christian couples, who've said, no, we we actually watch porn together because it helps us as a couple get more intimate. And they didn't realize that they were actually tearing their marriage apart. Tearing it apart. And so bad habits are bad. They are not good. How many of you know we need good habits in our lives? And today, with God's help, I want to share with you four habits of highly effective Christians. And we're going to derive all of these examples straight from Scripture. And so we start off... By the way, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 actually says, Don't follow the customs and patterns of this world. Did you know that? So it's easy to have bad habits. All you have to do is take your eyes off of Jesus. And begin doing what everyone else is doing. You'll easily... And quickly form bad habits. And the Bible even says, watch the company you keep. Why? Because bad company can corrupt or does corrupt good character. So you can be a good person and start off with good habits. But you start hanging around with the wrong crowd. You end up becoming more and more like them. When scripture actually says, don't follow the pattern and customs of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you want to read it later in its fullness. So let's jump right in. So number uh, the four habits of highly effective Christians. Habit number one, the habit of studying the Word of God. The habit of studying the Word of God. When the Word is in you, it will produce change. Did you know that? When the word of God gets in your heart, it will produce change. It will produce change in your mind and in your thoughts. It will wash you. Like there is a a verse that says, wash me in the water of your word. So it will change your mind and your thoughts. It will change your heart. And it will change your actions and your words. It will transform you literally from the inside out. And remember, Jesus was tempted three times by the devil in the Gospels, in the very beginning of Matthew. And if you read it, you see that Jesus, what did He do? Did He just respond with with what He thought was best? No. He responded by quoting Scripture. Now, I have way too many to go through it, but read in your Bible, study your Bible, and you will find where Jesus actually does this when He's out in the wilderness. And it's incredible that shortly after that, His ministry began. And so... Know that when challenge comes, testing comes, don't give up. But just know that something great might be right around the corner. God wants to use you like you've never even imagined, even though you feel attacked on every side. And so, Jesus responds with the word. Example number one. Let's look always to Jesus. Three times the devil tempts him. Oh, just do this and you'll be powerful. Just do this if you're hungry because he was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. And Jesus responds with the word. And the word of God also says, "Resist the devil and he will flee from you." Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, "I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." I've hidden your what? Word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. So when you get the word of God in your life, it will produce new actions. You will not want to do the sinful things that you've been in the habit possibly of doing. Instead, you will want to live rightly. Because the word of God will point you to Christ. The word of God will always guide you to Christ. So it's important for us to understand that. Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Also in Psalm 119, it says, How does a young person or a young man stay pure? By keeping your word. By keeping your word. So there's something about purity and right living that we find in God's word when we have it in us. Because how many of you know the Bible says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will then speak. So if you have the word of God in you, this is why it's important. When, when you're attacked and the enemy is, is a faithful opponent, remember that. You have to have the, the sword ready. And the Word of God is our sword. And we use it to combat the attack of the enemy. So it's important that we have the Word in us. Why? Because that's how we now begin to fight. No, 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 devil. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And God is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It almost sounds like you might be preaching to yourself. But know this, that you are actually declaring the faithfulness of God. You are declaring the word of God. And the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. God always keeps his word. He is always faithful, not to my word, to his word. And he meant what he said, and he always said what he meant. So it's important that we have the Word in us. It's a great habit. Notice I didn't say read the Word; I said study the Word, because I noticed in Bible school there's a great difference when I just read because it was my homework, or when I was actually reading to gain something out of it. When it's homework, you just go la 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 chapter one. Turn the page. No, 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 chapter 2. Yeah, I did the required biblical reading. But when Jonathan needs the bread of life and the word of God, I read and I don't just read, I study. I study. I eat it up. I dig through it. I stop and I go, what does this mean? And I read and I reread. I take notes of what jumps out to me. And then I dig deeper with those words as well. You see, it's different because if, imagine if I just treated this like a textbook and I said, well, I got to preach today. Hopefully I can find something that sounds good enough to speak and to preach. We'd all be in trouble, starting with me. But these are the words of life. The Bible says in Hebrews that it cuts straight through the heart, through bone and marrow, straight through the heart of who you and I are as people, as individuals. So this word is alive and active You need to get in the Word. And don't just read it. Study the Word. Study the Word. So that's habit number one. Habit number two is the habit of praying. The habit of praying. Jesus, in Luke 5.16, often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus withdrew often to the wilderness for prayer. Yeah, but... He's Jesus. He didn't have to pray, but he did it. He did it. So there's something important for us to learn from Jesus. If Jesus said, hey, I need to, to, I need to be away from people and I need to go and pray. Why do we think we don't need to do that also? Why do we think, well, my five minute commute is, is good enough? And sometimes that's all we have but we have to understand that we not just need to pray a little bit we have to get into a habit of prayer a habit of prayer and it's not just oh jesus i really need to find a shirt today help me get out of here in 2 minutes those are really small shallow prayers god is a much bigger god he can handle so much more and he says pray i want to i want to know you i want to know you how do we pray and, and make it a habit you got to do the time. You have to do the time. Could you imagine if, if anyone is married or, or is in a relationship? I'll use my wife as an example. Imagine if I said, I like you. Let, let's, let's date. But I never spoke a word to her. We just kind of were in the same room. How would I really get to know my wife? Right? I'd say, well, she's got dark hair, dark eyes. She has a great singing voice. Well, because I heard her in church once, but I never spoke to her. But we just sat in the same room. How many of you think I would really get to know her? I think she would be a suitable companion for life. I would not know a clue about her unless I spoke to her. So that's what I did. When God told me to, hey, she's the one for you, take her out for coffee, let her know you're interested. That was, I only knew the first step. So I said, okay, Lord. I was prayed up before I ever did it. We went out for coffee. And guess what? We talked until they kicked us out of second cup. Literally, I was like, oh my goodness, it's 11 o'clock, they're closing. I I was oblivious to everything because I was so invested in knowing her. Did you know God did everything already to be close to you? But you have to be willing to be close to Him. Say, Lord, here I am. That's why we sing that song, Draw Near. Make prayer a habit. And what is prayer? In its basic form the way I speak to my wife and I get to know her I speak with God yes there's holy uh, reverence because he is a holy god but the, but the door is open wide to his throne room through Jesus Christ and so the word even encourages us to approach his throne bold, with boldness so when I when I pray I don't just say well, lord if if it's not too much what did Jesus say when they approached him and said lord teach us to pray He said, and when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. The emphasis is on God as our Father. And as a Father, He wants to spend time with His children. So we need to get into the habit of making this daily conversation happen. Because like my son is four years old. There comes a point in the day where I'm like, shut the TV. I want to just talk with you. How are you? How was your day? How was school? Make prayer a habit. So we can know God and know His heart. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, short verse, three words, Never stop praying. So there's a good clue for us. And then James 5.16 says this, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You want to start seeing results in your, in your life, in your walk with God, in your faith? Start focusing on righteousness, On living a godly life, but also on investing in your prayer life. Because there's great power that comes, and it produces wonderful results. Can somebody say amen? Now I want to jump to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Because what about now the face of opposition? Let's talk about when trials, tribulation comes, a time of testing. Or uh, like we said, the devil is a faithful adversary or opponent. And He'll never stop bugging you the minute you decide to make a new habit and make it about you and God. He's not happy about that when we want to break off some old habits that are ungodly. So what about in the face of opposition and trial and all of these things that might come against you and me? We have to remember Daniel in chapter 6 and verse 10. Because, you see, guys were trying to trap Daniel because God's favor was on him. He was very powerful. He was promoted. All of these things were in Daniel's favor. And there were a group of guys that were not happy about that. They could not find a way to trick him. So they go to the king very quickly. And they say, listen, uh, you're a great king. And we need to pass a law that no one else can pray but to our gods. Not to their own gods. And so they say, he says, okay, that sounds good. Passed the law because they knew Daniel prayed to his God, not their gods in Babylon. And so what happens is that they go to Daniel and they check, and sure enough, there's Daniel. He's praying. And I want to read now in verse six, uh, chapter six, verse ten, and it says this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, the law that would literally get him thrown into the lion's den. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open, not closed. He opened them like usual toward Jerusalem. He prayed not just once, he still prayed his three times a day just as he had always done and giving thanks to God in the face of opposition. You know what happened to Daniel? He was captured and they threw him in the lion's den Did Daniel die? No. Because God was watching out for him and watching over him. And he shut the mouths of those lions and he was safe. And the king was actually saying, Thank you. Your God is the true God. Thank you that Daniel is still alive because he really liked Daniel. So, what happens now when our circumstances change? Our habits should not change. We are in the habit of praying. And we don't change the way we pray. When things go well and we're full of faith and we're happy and we say, Oh thank you, Lord, you are a great God, you are faithful, we thank you, God. But let's let's take Daniel's pattern and apply it for us let's let's not change a thing if our circumstances change and we say oh god though there are enemies coming at me from every side though the doctor's report is so negative you are the same and we don't change we are still full of faith and we pray with confidence knowing that god is still the same god amen so number 2 the habit of prayer and we don't change when circumstances change Number three, the habit of worshiping God. The habit of worshiping God. I could have just said the habit of worship, but I I have to say the habit of worshiping God. You know why? The Bible tells us that we were created to worship. But to worship who? God. All things are are from Him and for Him. Here's the thing. If I don't worship God... Because I've been hardwired to worship, I will pursue other things and idols that I will worship. Whether it's a car, whether it's my career, whether it's a relationship, whether it's money. There are so many other things that my heart will quickly turn. Quickly. But I have to worship the Lord alone. Because He alone is God. So that's why it's the habit of worshiping God. Because if we remove God, we will still naturally want and have that desire to worship. It just won't be directed towards Him. And how many of you know worship wasn't created for people to receive? It was created for the Lord. That's why I love worship concerts. Because we're not there to worship the band. They're there to point us to Christ. And we worship as the family of God. When you go to a secular concert, and I've only been to one in my life. And at the place, it was in Montreal, filled with weed in the air. And I thought, there's no high like the most high, <laughs> number one. Um, and I said, Lord, this is, I'm so out of my element because all these people who were dancing with their hands up were not worshiping the Lord. They were worshiping the people on the stage. I felt conviction and I just said, I don't, I don't need to go there. But I, I'll go. If it's to lift high the name of Jesus, I'll be the first guy in line with my wife. And we will be there. Why is worship... Service starts at 10.30, even at the school. That's why I'm excited at 10.30. Because we're going to worship the Lord. And there's no other name I'd rather lift high than the name of Jesus. It's a habit in my life. Even I I always go back to this, but when I was 23 and my mom died, killed in a car accident like this. I just finished four years of Bible school, being away in Boston, in the States. I just came home. I was home a, a month and a half. And I'm like, this is awesome. My mom's cooking again and all of this stuff. And boom, she was taken away. But the habit of worship doesn't change in my life when my circumstances change. I continue to worship the Lord in the same way. And in fact, with more tears now and with my hands held even higher. Because what the devil thought would actually wipe me out with... I said, no, 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 devil, you're wrong. It's only making me stronger. And a new passion came to worship the Lord, to preach His word. Every time I, I have this mic, I have to remind myself to say, I have to preach with passion. What, and what if this is the last time? So anyways, that's a side note. But the, the habit of worship, the habit of worship, we are created to worship. If we don't worship God, we, we will worship other things or other people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, we already talked about him, he had three friends. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar passed a law. He built a giant statue 90 feet tall. And when they said, the, when you hear the music, everyone must bow down and worship the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And guess what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we will only worship the Lord our God, who is the one true God. And what happens? They are taken and thrown into the fiery furnace. But guess who shows up with them? The king looks, he goes, didn't we throw three? Why do I see a fourth person walking around? And you see the presence of the Lord, whether it was an angel or Jesus himself, we don't really understand it. But there was another presence that showed up. They didn't even have their hair burnt off. They didn't even smell like smoke. They still had their same clothes on. But they were worshipping the Lord their God and said, No, no, no. We are in the habit of worshipping our Lord God. and We will not change that for anyone. We will not change that for anyone. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can keep going. I can think of King Jehoshaphat where they send out the worshippers first. Where they say the battle is the Lord's. And, and they won the victory by sending out the worshipers first. Or even Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. Where it says, At midnight... In the most unfavorable conditions in the dungeon, the furthermost part of the jail, where who knows what was rotting that was there previously. You can use your imagination. And it says, At midnight, they began to worship the Lord, singing songs and praying. And it says that the, the jail began to shake, and the chains and shackles broke off, and all the prison doors were opened. Did you know that your worship is not just? For God and to, to for you to be free in worship. Did you know that your worship can also free other people to worship? As all the jail cells were open and all the chains fell off. It's important that we don't underestimate the power and the habit of worshiping God. It's such a beautiful privilege that we have. Habit number four is the habit of going to church. The habit of going to to church. Luke chapter 4, 16. I told you there's a lot of scripture, but I, I'm firing it all. It's going to be on the church website for the podcast, so you can re listen if you want to take more notes. Luke 4, 16. In speaking about Jesus, it said this When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. I want to highlight that he went as usual. So Jesus though he was fully God was still fully man went to church. Jesus went to church. Yeah, but he didn't have to. He was he was God incarnate, but he still went to church. Of all people, let's take him his example. Paul in Acts 17 halfway through, I call it 1B into verse 2, it says this and he came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. There are great examples that, that point to us. And one more in Hebrews chapter ten twenty five. Just to give you context for the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, we don't really know the author of the book. It's not stated or given. However, it was written... To the Jewish Christians who were being tempted to go back into their old ways of following the law, because now they were called Christians, Jewish Christians, but they still felt like they were being tempted. Maybe f- people were saying, "Hey, what are you? What are you doing there? Come back this way to the old way of living, the old habits of the law," and and so. They were meeting as the, the, the new church together as believers, and here we find in Hebrews written to those Jewish Christians what it says in Hebrews ten twenty-five, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So there were Jewish Christians that followed Jesus, but now were turning away. They were not assembling any longer. And so the writer of Hebrews was writing to this group of of believers, Jewish Christians, saying, don't go back. Don't go back to that way. Don't, don't, Don't stop meeting together like some people have. But let's stay together and let's meet together. Did you know, church, that there's great power in our unity, in meeting together? When we meet together, we worship together. God is delighted. His presence is where His people uh, begin to praise Him. And then not only that, but we are encouraged by one another when we come. And I know there is another new trend of doing church online. I read an interesting article why it said 10 reasons why even faithful church attenders are attending church less. And it was very interesting. It was like people have options. People have money now. They're more affluent. And so... They, go, they travel more, so they're, they're home less frequently. They go away on vacation more than ever before. And there are all these different reasons. People even just say, well, I can stay home and watch any church service from the world that broadcasts online, and I get my fix. But the one thing that we, we actually miss out on is community and this sense of being together, praying with one another. I mean, you could click a button and say, I need prayer And someone will pray for you, I'm sure. But there's something special when we as brothers and sisters, as a family, put our arms around one another and pray and believe God together. There's something tangible about that when we come to church. And that's why church attendance, for me, it's not about numbers. It's actually about engagement. Because we want you to engage with God and with His family. And we are the church. And so we we exist for the world. It's important that we come on Sundays together. Let's be in the habit of going to church. I say it often, and I live it out in my own life with my family. Even when we are away, which is not often. But when we do, wherever we find ourselves, we go to church. We go to church. Why? Because it's our habit. But it's not just a habit because it's a habit. And I want to just close this morning with the whole reason as to why these are important. You see, if it was just about telling you these are four habits you need, you might say, well, that's great, but why does it matter to me? That's a valid question that people ask in church. They might hear the whole message every Sunday and say, great three points, great four points today, but so what? And that's the huge uh, thing that we need to answer is the, okay, great, so what now? And with God's help, I just want to help answer the so what for you today. Why should I care about developing these new habits? Well, here's the difference. Not having these habits in your life is going to make the Christian life a miserable one. If you can even still call it a Christian walk with God. If you're not praying, or you're not in the habit of praying, or worshiping, or studying the Word, or, or being together as the family of God... What kind of a Christian are you actually? That to me is the answer. That's why it's important. Because God is not some cheap genie in a bottle where when I need something, I just rub the bottle and I tell him my three things that I need from him. And I feel good when I get them. And then I just go on doing my own thing. No, no, no. God desires relationship with you and with me. And the best way I know how to live, the most blessed way that we can live, is in this relationship. Because when this is right, everything else here becomes great. And it doesn't mean it's easy, but I know that He's walking with me. That's greatness to me. The Word of God, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the priority. That's why the habit is important. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, And that's this kind of relationship. And then all these things shall be added unto you. So the most important one is vertical first. And then the horizontal things are looked after in Jesus' name. That's why these habits are important. Because they will realign your horizontal life. Which involves people, which which is always in, in flux. It's always changing and moving. You'll know your Creator, God, better, more than you've ever known Him before. And you know what? You'll know yourself better. You'll know yourself better. Why? Because in order to know yourself better, you've got to know God better, the one who created you. When you know God, you know your purpose because He reveals it to you. And that's the point. You might also be thinking, that's great, but I have so many bad habits. So many bad habits. I'm going to ask Spencer if you would come back to the keys as we close this morning. Jesus, I want you to know, Jesus is more than able to set you free from the chains that are holding you down. He's more than able to set you free from the bad habits. There's even the habit of sin. And on your own, maybe you've tried, but you failed. Habits are hard to break. Why? Because it's almost like autopilot. Let me go back to our habit loop. And I want to just paint for you a a hypothetical scenario. You know that tonight no one's home. And you decide that's the cue or the trigger. No one's home. The habit is when no one's home, I watch pornography. Why? Because the result is that I I feel a relief from whatever ensues afterwards. That might be the habit loop that people experience it's just one that i said lord give me something something that someone might need to hear today yours might be different it might be something to do with career because that's your habit loop it's i get up i go to work that's you know the the morning is my trigger and then the habit is that i'm gone all day and i get home at 10 p.m at night And that's my cue to go to bed. That's the reward is uh, I get to eat a big meal and then just crash out. And you just live in this dead cycle, this dead loop that brings no real fruit or result to your life. So you might be saying, I need these four new habits, but there are so many other bad habits that I have to crush today. Would you stand to your feet with me? And I want to declare to you today that God is here. He is here. And some of us, it's going to take work and we have to work out of the rut to make a new habit. But I believe some of you need deliverance out of habits that can only come when the power of God touches your life. And and we're not here to judge or to look. We're not here to try to guess what someone else's habit might be. We are here to say, Lord, I I need new habits and I need to break old ones. And that's what the altar call this morning is for. You're here today, and you're saying yes to these four habits. Lord, help me as I seek to study your word. Help me as I want to get into the habit of prayer. You gotta do it, can't just pray it. You gotta start doing it, but you want God to help you. But then there are also those who say, I gotta break free from these old habits, and I've tried on my own for way too long, and it hasn't happened. The power of God, I'm telling you, is in this place today to break it off of you in Jesus' name. So this morning, if, if anything applies to you, come. And we're going to pray in faith, believing. As Spencer's just going to minister with worship, you can stay in your seat and just begin to develop the habit of worship. Don't just tune out and get bored. But you come today. In Jesus' name. I didn't say close your eyes. I just said come. Whoever needs help today. Maybe it's just help to start the new habit. You just need the motivation to do it. But maybe you're here today and you need Jesus to break off the addiction. Or break off the dead habits. Come in Jesus' name. Go ahead Spencer, lead us. We're going to just pray for a few moments before I close this morning. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.